is your hurry. You know what? Life gets ridiculous sometimes. And we look at all these things going on with sports, with our kids, and music, and graduation, and we think, when's it going to stop? And then they hit kindergarten. (laughs) And we realize that we're in real trouble because life goes 100 miles an hour. And there are so many times when we can't seem to keep up with it. We're on a fast-forward pace. We use that fast-forward button. And I want to encourage us for a few minutes today to, to find the pause button and say, if we're going to continue to use that fast-forward button in our life, it's going to be really hard to hear from God. And we're going to look at some scriptures, and we're going to look at Elijah and how God had to kind of get him away from everything and throw him into a cave to get him to truly hear from him. Let's pray, and then we're going to jump in here and and look at some, some of these scriptures. Lord, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for, for dying on the cross for us. And, and we just thank you that you want to speak to us. I pray that you'll just help each one of us, even for the next few minutes, to find that pause button and not be thinking about what we have to do when we leave here or what happened before we came, but what is it you want to say to us right now? In Jesus' name, amen. I want to just talk for a little bit about how God wants to speak to us, but a lot of times we're way too busy to truly hear from Him. There are some in this room, myself included, who probably say, there are times when I feel like God isn't there. There are times when I feel like God is not speaking to me. And I can tell you from experience, that's not the case. The problem is there's way too much noise and static in our lives to hear what God's trying to say. And so I want to, to look at three lies that sometimes we fall for. When we think about being busy in our lives and why we are, the first one is, the first lie is, having more stuff can make, will make me happy. The more stuff I have, the happier I'm going to be. You look at lottery winners. And how many here have ever said, you know what, if I won the lottery, life would be a lot easier? Anyone ever said it? I have. I sit there and I go... I dream about if I won the lottery and it was a million dollars after taxes, when I have $400 left, what would I do with all that money? But we we think that, boy, if I win this money, all my problems are going to be solved. But then you look at it and you hear the stories of lottery winners, of like pro athletes that make all this money, and how, when you hear them talking later, how it didn't change their life. It didn't make it any better Sometimes it made it worse. And, here's, and it's like we realize that winning the lottery isn't the answer. Luke 12, 15, it says, Then Jesus said, Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. But unfortunately, that's how we measure life a lot of times. What kind of house do I have? What kind of car do I drive? And, and we measure that and we say, you know, I'm working hard. I'm busy because I want to provide more for my family. I want to. And so we, we come up with justifications of why we're doing what we're doing. And we go out there and we're running so fast. And God keeps saying, slow down. 
I'm trying to talk to you. I'm trying to have a conversation, but you're going too fast. So our first lie is that if I have more stuff, I'm going to be happier. And the issue is not clearing our schedule because a lot of times we'll sit there and say, I'm going to take my calendar and I'm going to erase stuff on my calendar and then all of a sudden I'm going to be okay. Then I'm going to be able to slow down. But I want us to think about the fact that it's not our calendar that's the problem. It's our heart because we're not content where God has put us. And if we don't get to the point where we're content where we're at, it doesn't matter what you do with your calendar because you're always going to be filling that with something. Philippians 4.11 says, Not that I have, ever, I have everything I need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. And then Ecclesiastes 4.6, Maybe so, but I say it is better to be content with what little you have. Otherwise, you will always be struggling for more. And that is like chasing the wind. So the whole idea of the more stuff I have, the happier I'm going to be is a myth. And the second lie that we fall for is that the busier I am, the happier God is with me. The busier I am, the happier God is with me. There are people that believe that. They feel like if I slow down, if I lay in a hammock, God is not going to be pleased. He's going to zap me. And the cool thing about this was I had to practice all week. And I'm laying in the hammock going, this is prep time. And then I said, there are going to be people that are really mad because when they realize that I'm, I was actually on the clock getting paid when I was doing that. Now, how cool is that? You know, what job can you have where you can sit there laying in a hammock in front of your boss and get away with it? That's pretty good. And, and so Matt, I hope he's not going to watch this video. So, but... But we're going 100 miles an hour, that fast forward. We're going and we say, I'm doing this because I want to please God. I want God to be happy. And so I'm going to keep going and I'm not going to slow down. But unfortunately what happens is that we're going so fast that God will place somebody in our path and say, here's somebody I want you to minister to. Here's somebody I want you to serve. And, we, and this is what we'll say. We'll say, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I'm serving God. And we go right on by who God has placed in our, in our path. And Hebrews 13, 2 says, don't, be, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. There are times when God is going to put people in our path. And he's going to say, this is what I have for you today. But if we're going so fast and we're so busy... We're going to miss those opportunities. So don't fall for the lie that I have to be super busy all the time or God isn't going to be pleased. And we're going to flesh that out a little bit more. And then the third one is life is a competition. A lot of times we believe that, that life is a competition and I'm competing against someone else in everything, whether it's a job in sports or even in life itself, that I've got to be better than somebody else. And we, we look at that, and unfortunately, we can take that spiritually, and this is the problem that some people might have, is they can sit there and say, I'm getting to heaven because I'm better than that person. So we look at it and we say it's a competition, and our competition is I just have to be better than 50% 
of the world and I'm getting into heaven because God's going to take 50% of the world. Or you, you put in your percentage. And, we'll sit there and, we, and we, we look at those people and we say, I'm better than them, so I'm okay. And I've shared this before, but God is over here and he says, I want your focus on me, not on the world. But we turn around and we say, as long as I'm doing better than them, then I'm all right. And we start getting further and further away from God as we start even trying to distance ourselves from the world and we keep pulling away from what God wants. So we turn around and we get our focus on what God says. And in Romans, it tells us, it says that we've all sinned. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it says the, the wages of that sin, the penalty for that sin is death. That we're separated from God for eternity because of that sin. But then it goes on and it says that the gift of God is eternal life through Christ our Lord. The fact that we are sinners, we've messed up, and we put a gap between us and God that, that we can't do anything to fix. And Jesus said, I'm going to come and I'm going to bridge that gap. It's that whole thing of you've got the, the, this big chasm that we can't get to God because of our sin. And Christ lays down this cross over that chasm. And he says, this is how you get to God. It's not by comparing ourselves to anyone else. It's by comparing ourselves to Christ and saying, I'm not good enough. And when we get to that point of saying, I know I'm not good enough, then God says, I already knew that, but I've made it right. And this is how. And we accept that gift. And God says, now you're made right. Not because we're competing against other people, because we come to the point where we say it's only because of what Christ did for us that we're made right. So I want to just encourage us to not look at those lies, but look at what happens when we don't slow down. If we go through life and we continue to go 100 miles an hour, first thing is you feel more stress. Ecclesiastes says, too much, too much activity gives you restless dreams. If you go, you go, and you go, you're never going to get the rest that you need, and you end up feeling stressed. And some of you may have seen this. I think this is really cool, and, and it's straight. It's got to be in the Bible. Look at stressed. If you want to write this down, and just spell it backwards, and it gives you the answer to all of your stress. You see what it is? Anyone know what it is? Desserts. Stressed backwards is desserts. So if you really want to have a stress-free life, go to Culver's afterwards, or wherever you want to go. And that's where, that's where it starts. But we have to get to the point where we say, if I don't slow down, I'm going to have a lot of stress in my life. And the second thing is, we run at a high speed. We lose our joy. We go and we go and we go. We end up losing our joy because we miss the details in life. When I was a kid, my mother used to take my sister and I, and this was back when you could afford to drive around, and she would say, I'm filling up the car. We're going to go. And when we get to an intersection, you tell us right or left or straight. And we had so much fun. We're out there in New England, and there was one day when we hit four states in an afternoon. Now, how cool is that? I mean, that's pretty boring around here because, yeah, tri-state area, whatever. Yeah, but, but it's pretty cool when you can hit Connecticut and Rhode Island and Massachusetts, you know, and you're, and you're driving around, and we go, right, left, straight, and we're just going around, and it was so much fun. And we're sitting here, and we can look, and we can see things on the side of the road. But then 
unfortunately, a lot of us are on that highway, and we're, doing, we're going as fast as we can. And husbands, you know that your wife is sitting next to you, kicking you, saying, slow down when you're driving. Anyone else? Just, is it just me? It's like, and I always say, hey, you know what? Tell that to those people who are passing me. All right? I'm fine because they're going past me, so I've got to be doing all right. So my speedometer is, is, is subjective. You know, so, but we, you know, the whole phrase of stop and smell the roses. We don't take that time to slow down. We're going to miss some of the joy in our life. Today, I don't know if you guys got this. Some of you are going to run home and you're going to go through your mail and you're going to go through your trash. Because I got the mail, I don't know if it was yesterday or today. Was it yesterday, babe? Oh, Stephanie, Stephanie got the mail and she missed it. So yesterday, get the mail. Throw it on the table. Um, global animal rescue. Okay, you know, like everyone's always trying to, you know, get money from us. And so I put it on the table. I'm getting it ready to throw it away. And I, all of a sudden, I turn it over. I don't know if you can see that. There's a dollar bill in the back of this in the window. And I said, wait a minute. So I opened up the mail that I wasn't going to open. And I pull it out. It, it, I think it's real. We'll find out tonight. It's like if... Yeah, I'm, you may come visit me in jail, if, you know, but, but I looked and I said, what in the world? They just put a real dollar in the mail here. And I looked at, and, I, and I started, I was, I was actually like going through my notes and I read this and said, if you don't slow down, you'll miss some of the joy in life. And I was like, that's joyous right there. Just the fact that here it is, this, this, you know, these people I don't know are and sending me, you know, I don't know how many they sent out, but I sure hope they get more money than they end up sending out in the mail. Because I don't know if I'm going to be sending any. But, but, but if we, we lose our joy if we don't slow down. And the third thing is, is that we're not going to hear from God. If we don't slow down, we're not going to hear from God. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. There's so much noise and static in our life. There's so much going on. That sometimes we're going to, hear, we're going to see in a second... God isn't going to scream at us. God is going to whisper to us. And we're not going to hear him. And we're going to blame God. And we're going to say, God, you're not talking to me. God, you're not there. Because we're expecting this huge voice to come booming down. And God says, there are going to be times when I'm going to be speaking soft. You've got to slow down so you can hear it. Be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we need intentional inactivity in our life. That is hard for us to grasp sometimes. And it's hard for us to get a a grasp around the fact that there are times when God wants us to just sit and listen and hear what he has to say. But we're afraid to do that. We did this with middle school last week. I love to torture them. And so we're in the middle school class last um, Sunday morning. I said, for one minute, we're going to be totally quiet and see if you guys can do it. And I, I knew there was going to be a handful that were just going to suffer immensely after like five seconds. So we did it. And I was amazed. For the most part, almost all of them were like totally quiet to the point where it really scared me. And I was like, this is like 30-plus middle schoolers sitting there being quiet. I said, 
That doesn't happen very often in life. So, and then, of course, my daughter straightened me out and messed it all up. So, so, but we look at it and we say, there are times when we've got to take that time to be quiet and listen to what God has to say. We're going to look at Elijah. We're going to, um, first, we're going to be looking at 1 Kings 19. Um, you got, if you've got your Bibles, you can look in the, 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 the Bibles there. They've got Bibles under the seats, and we'll have it up on the screen as well. But we want to kind of look at what God did with Elijah and what he had to do to slow him down, to get it to where God could hear from him. Because Elijah was depressed. He was scared, and he felt all alone. Depressed, scared, and all alone. I bet there are people sitting here t- today that are feeling that same way. And we look at Elijah and we say, God, what did you do for Elijah? And what can you do for us? 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm going to read this and then we'll go, go back through and, and break down real quick. But 1 Kings 19, I'm going to start with verse 4. The background here is... Elijah has just had a confrontation with all of these prophets of Baal. Baal is the God that these prophets worship. And he came up and he said, 450 prophets of Baal plus other prophets. And he came up and said, let's prove once and for all who the real God is. He said, we're going to have a contest. You put together this idol. You put together um, all, all these um, stones and these, this, this wood. And you call down Baal and have him put it on fire. And so these prophets get together, and they're, they're dancing, and they're screaming, and they're yelling. Nothing's happening. To the point where they're cutting themselves, and they're saying, Come on, Baal, come down. Show who you are. And here's Elijah. We look at the sense of humor of the Old Testament. And Elijah's like, maybe you need to yell, yell a little louder. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's in the bathroom. You know, come on, yell. Just, you know, and, and he's just mocking them. Nothing's happening. And then finally, Elijah says, it's my turn. And so he says, before we do this, I want you to pour all this water on top of of this wood, on these rocks. And they poured all this water on to the point where it was filling up around the gully around it. And then he prays out and he says, God, show who you really are. And God sends down fire, consumes everything, burns up the rock and everything proved who God was. I don't know if you can get any closer to God than at that moment. And then and it ends up bringing all, God says, bring all those prophets together and he has them destroyed. And then the king, who's there, during this whole time there's a drought. There's, there hasn't been rain for years. And then he goes to the king and he says, you better head back because it's going to start raining and you're going to want to get out of here. So God brings the rain. So God's doing these great awesome things. And so the king heads back and he goes to his wife. And this is the funny thing about it. Here's the king and he goes to his wife and says, you know what Elijah did? He killed all your prophets. So Elijah's not afraid of the king. But as soon as the king's wife Jezebel finds out what what happened, she comes out and says, you know what? God take my life if I don't have yours, you know, by the end of the day. She basically threatens him and says, I'm, I'm going to have you killed. Elijah runs. He's scared for his life, and he takes off. And that's where we pick it up in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4. This is talking about Elijah. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. 
He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and said, told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead would be too much for you. So he got up, ate and drank. The food gave him strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And look at Elijah's response. Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken your covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told them. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. A mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah felt like he was all alone. He just had literally this mountaintop experience. This experience where he's like, how do you get any closer to God than that? And then he's running for his life. He's running, he's scared. He he falls asleep, gets up, God feeds him, and he goes and it says 40 days and 40 nights that he's out. And, And during this time, God's preparing him. God's trying to slow him down. And and four things that God did for Elijah that I believe that he wants us to learn as well. The first thing is, God gave Elijah rest. You look at verses 5 through 8. It says, he let him sleep. He slowed him down and he he let him get some rest. So the first thing is that he gave him rest. And then the next thing is that he let him release his frustrations. He let him vent. And Elijah said, I've been zealous for you. I've done all this stuff for you. And I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me. So God let him just release that. And then God slowed Elijah down and spoke to him gently. Put him in the cave, quieted him down, slowed him down, and he spoke to him. And he was in the presence of God. And, and he was able to hear that and sense that because the fact that he was slowing down. And then the last thing is, God sent him back to work and encouraged him. You go on and, and it says down, down the end of those verses after what we read that he went out and he told him, he wanted to go out and anoint these people king, anoint Elisha to basically take over your work for you. So he didn't say, you know what, I'm done with you, Elijah. He said, I want you to finish what you started. I want you to keep going. And God's saying that to us. He's telling us that we need to rest. We need to slow down. 
And he says, you know what? If you need to release your frustrations, he said, you can do that. God's not upset with us if we sit there and are honest with him and say, God, this is how I'm feeling. He's God. It's not like we're going to shock him because if we're thinking it, he already knows it. So saying it isn't going to be like, oh, I didn't know you were thinking that. He already knows that. So release that. Be honest about it. And then listen to what God wants to say to us. Know that God is there those times when we feel like he's not. And realize that he wants us to do the work that he's called us to. He wants us to slow down. Let me ask you. Where's your cave? Where are you going to go to truly slow down and hear what God wants to say to you? I was in seminary uh, a few years ago, and believe it or not, this hammock was my friend. And I'd go in the backyard and I would lay on this thing, and it was partly my ADD and then partly just all the things I had to do, but I couldn't be out there for more than three minutes before I had to get up and I had to get going again. And, and I had to go back to studying and reading. And I'm studying in seminary to do God's work. And I wasn't listening to God. Ironic and stupid, right? To so sit there and say, here I am studying God's word. I want to hear from God. And yet God's saying, you're so busy, you're not hearing anything I'm, I'm saying. There are times when I'm sitting there trying to do a paper. And trust me, anyone who knows me knows that there's only two things I don't like to do when it comes to school. And that's read and write. I can do anything else. And so I got to seminary, and I was, I was like, oh, I can do this. I can probably get through this. And they came in, and, they, and the guy started, he says, this isn't going to be your typical you know, seminary you know, course. And I was like, I don't know what that means. I've never been before. He goes, what we're going to do is we're just going to have you read 300 pages and write a paper every week. And I was like, is this what hell is going to be like? I was like, I don't know what's going on here. But I freaked out, and I'm sitting in front of the computer trying to type this paper, and one of my kids comes up and jumps on my lap and is, is trying to have a conversation with me. And I was like, I can't right now. I'm busy trying to do God's work. And then it, it finally hit me. It hit me after a while that I'm sitting here going, here is an opportunity that I am going to miss later. I'm going to regret the fact that I didn't take that time when my kid wants to jump in my lap and talk with me. So I finally said, you know what, I may not get an A in this class, but I'm fine with whatever I get because I really truly feel that God wants me to get an A in being a husband and a father more than getting an A in this class that I'm taking. And, I, and it took me a while to listen, to hear what God was trying to say. And I want to encourage you to, to really think about where is it that you need to go or what do you need to do to slow down and truly hear from God? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for, for slowing down for us. You slowed down enough to die on the cross for us. I pray you'll help each one of us to realize that. To realize, first of all, Lord, that we are sinners. We deserve death, which is just separation from you for eternity. 
but you chose to, to give us new life through the cross. God, help us to never forget that. I pray you'll slow us down, Lord, and help us to hear from you whatever it is that you want to tell us in our lives, even today. In Jesus' name, amen.